0: Hello, everyone, and welcome down to episode number 76 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, here in Ocean Grove, Victoria, Australia, and the guy (laughs) on the other screen or in your other ear, if you're listening to the podcast, it is Cam Blake in Hobart, Tasmania. Hello, Cameron. Good afternoon. Good evening, Brendan. How are you? Very, very well. Very well. Thank you. You've got
1: uh, that intro down pat these days, haven't you? Uh, I could just about do it underwater with a mouthful of peanuts. Yeah, I'm glad you said peanuts. In
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I reckon we could get a T-shirt here, like "Hello, everyone." Well, <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah, it, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yes. It's um, it's.
0: I think uh, when we get to episode 100, I might like you know do a montage of yeah. all the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's well, got time for that? Oh, that's got, not going to happen. We're getting pretty close. We're only 14 episodes off the ton. Uh, that would be twenty four, Mister Maths. Oh yes, it would be twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not editing um, that out. That is
1: staying in.
0: Well, it wasn't.
1: Isn't there? What's that factor of seven? What was that factor? of Twenty one, whatever it was. Uh, look, no. never mind. If if you're a photographer. That's the main thing. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But anyway, if we do the uh, episodes on the Overland Track, do they
0: all every day count as one episode? No, no. no. That okay. it's episode. It'll be episode seventy seven, part one. Part yes. uh, two, part three, part four, and part five, and probably right. part six. Yeah. So, which um, which which day will have the helicopter arriving? <laughs> that's right. Now, for those of you who haven't been keeping up with the pod or new to the pod, welcome aboard. It's lovely to have yeah. you here. Yeah. Um, Cameron and I are about to embark on the Overland Track in Tasmania. Uh, yes. I am jumping on the Big Bird and flying down on... Uh, I'll be there when this goes to air, going down Friday morning. When this uh, goes to air on Friday morning? Um, well, this will go to air Friday night, but I'm going oh, on yeah. Friday morning. So uh, okay. for those of you yeah. playing along at home Try and, and um, <laughs> going to go and have a look and see what it's like doing the Overland track and probably get a few photos and hang out with yeah. the guy on
1: the other screen there, which
0: I'm really looking forward to.
1: Yeah, you got six days of me. You can't run away from me on six days. You can't. Well, I've already had seventy-six episodes of you. So yeah, uh... but you're you're on another side of the screen. It's not the same.
0: True.
1: Yeah. You you think I'm annoying in one hour. Wait
0: till you spend twenty-four hours a day with me. Twenty-four hours a day. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Six six full days. Now I am I am honestly looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a hoot. Yeah, it's really it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're all ready to go, pretty much. I think just the smallest final
1: preparations to go and. And then we'll be, yeah, so I pick you up Friday morning, and then we head to cradle, we stay the night at cradle, and then on Saturday morning for guys listening at home. So when you've probably most people I think most people listen to this podcast on Saturdays, on the so, weekend, yeah, on the weekend. So when you're listening to this, just give a give a shout out to us because we will most likely be walking through about forty or fifty k winds, uh, sideways rain. Yeah. Uh, as we go up the top of this bit right here in the back of my background which is Marion's yes. lookout and then we've got to go yeah. okay, along there and out the back. Yeah, so yes, should be fun. Um I'm looking forward to it and hopefully we can get some great uh, little recordings along the way and bring back a bit of the
0: Overland Track to our yes, subscribers green. and fans. We we need to discuss logistics on that but we can do that off air. We'll work all that out.
1: I I can do it now. I've got a camera, I've got a double mic on its way. We're done. Okay. That's are you great. bringing a are you bringing a tripod? No. Uh, that's right we'll borrow so I'm not bringing one either so we'll borrow someone's (laughs) tripod so (laughs) so
0: two professional photographers are not bringing tripods that's great Uh, that's what that's what the world's come into with image stabilization that's right that's right Uh, this is going to work really well and I
1: I would be uh I would hell-bent impressed if we see a star the whole time
0: that's (laughs) right (laughs) there's going to be no astros there's going to be no astros so yeah that's right and with my built-in ND filters on my OM5 I can take photos of waterfalls handheld yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, it's amazing. It is one like little quick side thing of that. Like, oh, this will be the first time I haven't taken a tripod on the track, but I am confident enough that with the OM one I've got and hand holding at least half a second, that's going to do me for most things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, technology is yeah. certainly making it easier, and that saves me about two kilos, a kilo and a half of weight. Okay, so would you like good. me to bring this? Uh, no, worst case scenario, I've got one of those gorilla potty things. Yeah, I've got one of those somewhere. But, we'll have, but we're will but we going to have that many tripods on the site. We'll just yeah. steal someone else. We'll let them carry it and then we'll use it. Exactly. Yeah. Can we
0: borrow? Thank you very much.
1: You. Yeah, okay. exactly.
0: So. Perfect. Thanks to everyone who has liked, subscribed and followed the channel over the last seven days. We appreciate uh, you coming on board. Our subscriber count has ticked up to 471 subs. Thank you very much. Probably once we get over 500, we'll stop saying how many we're at, but <laughs> we're closing in closing and in. we've got cam we've got 29 to go to get to 500 Just oh
1: i thought it was 19 no it's mm. 29 so. and to the to the two uh the the 472nd sub that disappeared sometime in the last couple of hours we're sorry
0: lost. yeah no oh, sorry, not sorry we offended no, you no
1: no no <laughs> no you can you can go there's other podcasts that you can listen to there's one that goes for like
0: four hours an episode yeah. feel free to feel free to go tune into that go and jump on that one mm. uh thank you for everyone who's visited uh, dsps.com.au, which is downsouthphotoshow.com.au, and uh, donated some beer for us, so we have a beer donation mm. button there. Um, so thanks to James D, Sarah E, and Mel H, H. again. You know that's like making the, a habit <laughs> of this. This is, that, this is
1: that's uh, that sounded like the Brownlow and yeah, one vote right. to and the and <laughs> round round twenty one. That's right. Know, so three votes, three votes. Three votes goes to Mel. H. That's right.
0: So um it's awesome. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Very cool. So um I actually I actually had a beer before we came on here. So thank you. Lovely. Yep. Um and I think I'll probably have a few more tomorrow night and Thursday night because I'm not going to be able to do it for the next seven days. Right. So it's probably a good thing that we um
0: have a few before we go. Yes. And then and then um we'll have one together in Hobart. Yes, we will. At the at the end of it all. Looking forward to it. It's going to be grouse. Uh, main topic for discussion tonight, Cam, shall I lead the way?
1: Yeah, well, draw me to lead the way because I maybe you, you've struggled reading it before, so maybe I'll go. <laughs> Please. Uh, so I just came back from a trip around Tassie with a uh, good friend Seng Ma from Venture Photography Tours in WA, or what did you call it last week? Western
0: Cactus? Western Cactus,
1: yes. Yeah, so it's from Western Cactus Cactus. And we had a bit of a discussion over dinner one night in Strawn about um things like focus stacking, back button focusing, all the things that have triggered me over the last year and a half of running this show. And I'm pretty sure I was getting triggered by them at dinner as well. But it got us talking about, um, you, know, you know, how much should you stress about your files when you're shooting versus, you know, if you're just going to put them online, like should you, do you really have to pixel peep every single pixel to make sure it's ultra sharp and all that kind of jazz? And, and I'm a bit of a believer that, you know, if you're not printing out your photos and you're not uh, doing anything major with them, then I I reckon there's about a 2 to 5% variance of what you can get away with, I guess, with not being a perfect file or perfect sharpness and stuff like that. But we had this discussion and, you know, a few of them said, no, 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 you've got to be sharp all the way through and pixel peep everything. A couple of others said, you know what, no, you know, I think, you know, if you're not going to be printing them big, then it's not a big deal. But I thought it'd be a good discussion about uh, sharpness in images and sort of stressing about what your files are going to look like if really the final outcome is you just putting it online on Instagram or Facebook or your website or whatever it might be. Um, and you being a printer, clearly you would have a fairly good insight into what makes a good file versus not, not a great file. And I'm sure there's a bit of leeway in there as to what can be acceptably okay versus what's just not okay. Um, but yeah, I thought we'd open that discussion. Um, I think it's one that people
0: have a lot. Um that's yeah. around it's around that pixel peeping and uh, people going yeah. a bit too well, far. Well let's start where you got to, and that is in terms of printing photos, because that's mm. my thing. That's what mm. I've been doing for the last three of the years. Um and what you said there was was pretty much spot on. If, if you're not going to be printing your photos large or if you're just going to be sharing them on socials and that sort of stuff it'd be pretty easy just to sit back and say well they probably don't need to be as sharp front to back now this this thing about having an image sharp front to back and using techniques like focus stacking to achieve that does not suit every image now case in point cam is is the image behind you right now which we haven't, we will we'll, we'll come back to locations and stuff later. But that image there, for example, I would argue that there is no need for that to be pin sharp front to back when clearly there is a foreground subject there that yeah. is sharp as attack by the looks of it, yeah. going by a, you know, we're all looking on a on a computer screen now or a TV screen if you're YouTubing and that sort of stuff. Um you know that that sort of image there. I, I don't understand why you would go to all the trouble of focus stacking that when you could just shoot at an aperture of f eight, f eleven. I don't know what that is, but it's a, probably yeah. around there somewhere, and get it to a level of sharpness that you, which is more than acceptable, even if you're printing huge. Yeah. So, yeah. like for example, if you, if you were to do that as a yeah, you know, let's say a meter and a half by a meter canvas that I could do for you. It yeah. would look absolutely fabulous, and yes. I would argue that making it sharp front to back would actually take away from what you're trying to achieve with that image, and that is have a focal point in the foreground. They're called focal points for a reason. Yeah. Um. And if that image was sharp front to back, that's not how the human eye works. That's not how that's not how you see things in real life, if you like. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, it's a bit of a can of worms, this, but. I can see occasionally when there would be a need for it. Yeah. But that image that you've got behind you, definitely not.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's the sort of discussion. And we had a gentleman on the trip, uh, Jason, his name was, and he actually runs a print lab uh, out of WA and, and you know, does wonderful photography and knows his way around a printer and what to look for. And I think he was almost sitting on the fence a bit with the discussion around about, a bit like you, like, you know, there is some times when a file needs to be, Pin, pin sharp if you're doing really big prints on, you know, like, you know, fine metal printing or really fine gloss paper or something like that. Mm. But then on the other hand, if you're putting it on a canvas, and a lot of that sharpness gets lost in the canvas anyway. So I think it's, it was a good discussion we had around that. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like not every image has to be sharp from the very first pixel to the very last pixel, I don't think. Uh, the shot behind me that we're talking about, which is Cradle Mountain, yeah, those rocks in the foreground are sharp. The big rock out to the right here is also very sharp and it does lose a small amount of sharpness on the peaks of Cradle Mountain. But to me, that's an acceptable amount of loss for printing especially, but even more so if you're just going to be squeezing those pixels down and putting them online. So what happened with this conversation, it sort of evolved a bit around the sharpness of images and using focus stacking and all these other techniques. And it got down to, you know, maybe it's more about the, what the artist expectations of their own work is yeah. and whether or not, you know, if you're a perfectionist where you have to get every single pixel as sharp as each other yeah, or whether or not you're okay to accept a little bit of loss of sharpness or a failure of sharpness in, in your shot. And I'm, I'm of the latter. I, I think that if you spend all this time focus stacking and all this time sharpening and all this time using like, you know, uh, topaz sharpening or whatever it might be, I think you're sort of losing the whole spirit of what the whole photography is about, as opposed to someone who just is just killing themselves inside if their file is not perfect. And yeah, it's a funny one. I, know I I, I don't, I think, I think it's detrimental to a photographer
0: if you're going to spend that much time and emphasis on
1: looking at those pixels.
0: Just, as you were speaking there, something just, I had a realization. I had a moment, Cam. Oh my God. You might Sorry. want to call it an epiphany. I had yeah. an epiphany. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, so, if we go back through our podcasts and things that we discuss that are normally controversial or mm. normally, you know, get the most comments and feedback, because people like, people like, I don't know, I say people like controversy. They just, people like it when things have, when, when, when there's a varying amount of opinions. Yeah. You know, when things are polarizing, where, you know, we, some people have a different opinion to us. Yeah. And the two big ones that we've maybe, and maybe a third, but the two big ones that we've talked about that have caused a lot of triggering, focus yep. stacking, yep. back button autofocus, yep. and to a lesser extent, AI. Those yep. were the three episodes for that I can remember from recent memory that have caused a fair bit of carry-on. Yep. Those three things all have their place in a particular type of photography. Yep. It ain't landscape. All right. Now, this is a landscape photography show. You're a landscape photographer, so am I.
1: Yeah.
0: Generally, as a rule of thumb. We like all kinds yeah. of photography, but yeah, our main thrust is landscape photography. Yeah. So if we're talking about focus stacking, I don't think focus stacking stacks up with landscape as much yeah. as it does with, for example, product photography, macro photography, yeah. even to some extent, portrait photography as well. Yeah. Um, I love macro photography when it's focus stacked, because you generally can, see, when you, when you've got a macro, so let's use the example of a dragonfly. Yeah. If you've got yeah. an image of a dragonfly that is sharply focused from its eyes to the back of its tail, that looks awesome because that amount of depth of field is generally what you can see with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. Whereas that image behind you, I'm looking at those rocks. If I'm standing there looking at that scene, I'm looking at those rocks or I'm looking up to Cradle Mountain or I'm looking across to the rock on the other side. You know, it's not – focus stacking doesn't work with landscape, in my opinion, because it's not the natural feel of the image to start with. Whereas with macro, it certainly does. Now, if you flip that to back button autofocus, all the feedback we got about back button autofocus was from wildlife photographers. Yeah. Yeah. Kept that's right. Saying, no, no, it's so important so that I can keep my subject in focus while using mm. the trigger. Perfect. Yep. It doesn't work for landscape. It's unnecessary for landscape because yep. it ain't moving anywhere generally. Yep. And you don't have to be hot on the trigger for it. So, you know, I, I can see everyone's point of view, but I think they need to look through the lens of a landscape photographer. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Mm. Landscape photographers like we are.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, have raised some excellent points there. Um and,
0: and that's Unlike the thought, me.
1: Yeah, I know it's very rare. So mm. we should we should stop Sorry. the podcast and that's it. We're finished. Yeah, um <laughs> yeah, but no, I think you're right. And what I try and explain to people, and I think again with you know, the topics I raise and we raise on this show and people get their knickers in a knot a little bit about things, I think why people might get a little bit testy about what we talk about is because we're actually hitting the point. We're hitting the mark. <laughs> with well we're That's hitting right. the mark we're hitting the mark with what they and i i think you know I'll, I'll use you know i'll use some people on this trip as an example i could tell when i was saying to people on that table i was talking at dinner that this whole thing i could tell that some of them were like i know you're 100 percent right I, like we don't need to pixel peep everything we don't need to focus stack everything but but i can't help myself because i i have to do it i i I feel like I have to do it. I feel like I have to, I feel like my file has to be absolutely spot on all the time. Yeah. And I think why people sort of get a little bit of their backup about focus stacking, back button focusing and stuff like that. I think it's because they have gone down a bit of a rabbit hole of trying to improve their photography by looking at other, you know, other other YouTubers or other professionals in the market and trying to pick up things they do to try and help them improve their photography. And I think that is good in a way like definitely tick up tips and stuff like that. But if you're going, Hey, that's what cam does. I'm going to do it. And that that's, that that's it because that's who does it. And no one else does it. I think, I think you're doing it all for the wrong reason. And a lot of, a lot of the conversation we had around this table about the focus stacking, um, you know, they were asking me, you know, what about if you shoot, you know, F 16 or this, I'm like, yeah, it'll, if you get your hyperfocal distance, right, it should be, fairly close to on the mark yeah but what if you've got a topic right in front of you and then something all the way down the back i'm like well that's not realistic to have like exactly what you said it's not realistic to have everything sharp from it's there the it's a back things in focus at once yeah. that's right it's oh, not. and the, and the response was oh yeah but you know but that, that's how i want my that's how i want my image to look i want it to look like it's sharp from front to back but so and then trying to get the explanation as to why they want that sharp from very front to very back i couldn't get one yeah and and the reason i couldn't get one is because they don't know. That's right. And and they think that oh, if it's sharp front to back, that means I'm a perfectionist. I've perfected the file. I've made the best photo ever. Yeah. That's not. All, no. you're, all, you're do, all you're doing is creating something that's not necessarily realistic in a landscape yeah. photography view.
0: Yeah, and instead of asking the question of how do I do this, the question should be should I do this?
1: Yes. So, yeah. for
0: example, like if, if someone takes a landscape photo And they've been out in the field and they've got their tripod mounted and they've focus stacked it. They've shot their seven images and focus stacked it. And then they've gone onto YouTube and got, right, how do I put all this together? I think the first question should be: does that actually work with the image that I've just taken? Yes. And 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 ask that question first. You know, does it look perfectly fine how it is with one shot that, as you say, was set to correct hyperfocal distance and everything was nailed through the image using aperture? rather than having to focus stack it
1: yeah and and what we came down to um at the end of this conversation and like there's no right or wrong this is just my opinion and people seem to like my opinion or don't like my opinion so be it but I think what it came down to like especially when I was talking to Singh about his work he he was very much uh he wanted everything sharp front to back pixels sharp use focus stacking if he needed you know use all the tools that were available and he put it down to his his in, in in a photography mind that he wants everything to be perfect. and i I, I go back to the point that, well, to me, photography is not a perfect art. And to me that there is no such thing as a perfect photo. There's always flaws in a photo of some sort. But to me, what photography is about, especially landscape photography about is capturing that moment and the light and all that done at once, not making it work later on. So as I said, a lot of guests on this trip, I'm a one frame person. So all the shots you see of mine are one frame. I'm not composing. I'm not focus stacking. I'm not doing anything special. I'm just trying to capture that moment in one, one shot. And to me, if I get a shot that looks great out of that one moment without having to fluff around with all the other tools, that's perfection to me. So we have, we have different uh, understandings or different viewpoints of what perfection is. Um, And I think what, so uh, what sort of annoys me a little bit about it is that all these people that are perf- use the, the 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 analogy that they're going to be perfect about their shots, they never print them. <laughs> so like they're, they're, the the photography is about three things: it's about the shooting, it's about the developing or editing, and it's about the printing. And if you're not going to print it, then why are you wasting hours of editing time so you can just squeeze it down for this social media? I just don't I don't get it. And just yeah. I can't,
0: and I can't get the answer for it. No, I, I tend I I hear you. Um, I think though, in some regards, it's good to have these skills in your arsenal. So if you, you know, if you do happen to get that shot that you know that once in a lifetime shot, yeah, that, that might require those techniques. Yeah, it's good to keep those in your bag. Yeah. What I will say though is, I think focus stacking is today's HDR. Now, do you remember HDR, when yeah, I mean, yeah, that yeah. came out? You know, it was about 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Digital was hot. You know, Photoshop was huge. Yeah. Uh, and what you would do is you would you would bracket your exposures and then you would layer your image and then you would literally cut back the areas of the photo that were overexposed, and you'd make it a high dynamic range image or a HDR image. Yeah. So much so that Photoshop's next release had a HDR button Basically, that you would yeah. just do it for merge to HDR or whatever it was called, yeah. and then these there was companies that came out with HDR software, and the photos took on a ah oh, how can I mean, like it looked like someone puked the colours on the screen. They were just awful. Like it yeah. it it, it, it went cl- way too far. And, and the very first incarnation of that was the saturation slider. Well, yes. then it went to you know finding detail in shadows that should be there should be seen. But in real reality, no, yeah. they shouldn't be seen because no. it completely ruins the image. So yeah,
1: yeah, I, I used to call it clown vomit because it, oh, like yeah, cl- yeah. it looked like a clown had just thrown up over the screen. And that, yeah, yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think focus, like again, focus stacking is a great tool, and it's a great thing for you know, just like you said, macro product photography, architecture, potentially, you know, whatever it might be. Oh, def- definitely architecture, yeah. For yeah, sure. um, but I think it's one of those things that people have gone, oh, oh, I can get sharpness from front to back if i just focus stack 12, yeah. 000, 12 000 yeah. shots and that's my shots right. perfect,
0: it's become a thing and again it's yeah. it's it's the answer to a question that should never have been asked in some cases like yeah you don't always have to focus stack hmm. you know and i and i can but i understand it because as i say 10 15 years ago i'd take a photo and go oh, that's gonna look so cool in hdr yeah, you know, yeah i can't wait to hdr mm. the crap out of that i don't think i don't
1: think i ever went down that school um yeah <laughs> well, i, did, and, I, and I, I th- did
0: for a little while where i, I would take images with a, in the back of my mind thinking about high yeah. dynamic range and yeah. um the best i think the best thing that happened to hdr was the next incarnation of photoshop gave me a slider where i could actually yeah. turn that shit down <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, well, that's right
1: and, and that's the thing like It's one of the, if you look back at digital photography, there's uh, in your spot, you said it before spot on, there's all these things that there's all these fads that have come through. So, you know, there there was HDR, there was focus stacking, there's back button focusing. Now there's AI, now there's denoising. There's all these things that people, and they're they're great tools and they're great to have. And like you said, they should be tools in everyone's kit. But if you're, if you're just purely focusing on the end result of your file, trying to make it look perfect through the, access to all these other options, you're doing it for the complete wrong reason. And unless you're a, unless you're selling a truckload of prints, and I mean big prints or you have your own gallery or, you know, whatever, then yes, I understand that you want the file to be as perfect as you can for printing. But if you're not printing anything and you're just putting things on social media, you don't need focus stacking, full stop, unless you're doing macro or like the ones we've mentioned. Uh, you don't need back button focusing for most of that. So you don't need that. You certainly shouldn't be doing HDR. You don't need to denoise anything unless it's a really crappy high, you know, 6400,000 ISO shot. Mm. So there's all these things that people get their hands on and they just go to town on them and they just be, they just become the norm. And then everyone else looks at it and goes, oh, that's what everyone else is doing. It's just this, this ugly going forward type of thing where everything happens. And same thing on this trip as well. Like we had some people that, Um, that's shot in aperture priority, manual, shutter priority, whatever it might be. And I try and teach aperture priority just so people understand the importance of aperture, which is your depth of field and all that kind of jazz. And some of the people shooting on manual, like, oh, no, I I like to be on manual because it gives me control. Like, okay. And then we get to a scene. So what are you shooting on here? Oh, I'm not about F5, I think. Like there was no confidence in what they were saying about their (laughs) aperture because they've just they've, they've watched a youtube clip or they've told someone's told them that they need to shoot in manual to get full control. Yeah. Yeah. So no no you're right. And, yeah. and
0: that that little that little gap I love to bridge that gap with people and yes. get particularly when we're on a workshop and get them to understand no 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 don't shoot this scene at f4 just because you've seen it done before. Understand when yeah. you need f4, understand when you need f8. Understand yes. when you need other apertures, and what they actually deliver to the scene. And I just want to rewind a little bit there. When when you were saying people get so hung up on focus stacking, back button focus, whatever it may be in the image, they completely forget about the composition. And I think composition, and we've said this a billion times, composition is numero uno. It is the thing that will make your photo work, is to get your composition right from the very, very start. That's the first thing you look at. Then you start opening your toolbox and going into yep. that weaponry that you've that you've developed over your years of experience of being a landscape photographer, and that's yep. when you delve into those and you start going, okay, this is what I'm going to need on this image to help this work, or it's not what yep. I'm going to need. And and what I like to do is pair it back to its purest form, if you like, where I'm looking at the image and go, right, less is more. It's time to stop. I've got right. it. This is yep. this is it. I don't need to look at it and go oh, that's going to look good if I focus stack it and that's going to go blah, 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 and HDR and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It should be, I think, in its purest form, landscape photography is composition first and foremost, and then it's basically aperture, and then it's basically get the shot. So, yep. so on, on this trip... If, was I was to, if I was to really condense it. Yeah, well, I, I do condense it.
1: I condense the absolute shit out of this when I do it in, in mm-hmm. workshops. And we had a funny couple of conversations. We had one dinner. There was a lot of people on this trip that like cats, and they, yeah, each their own, you know, this yeah. is completely random off off script, but a lot of people like cats and there was a, a lot of conversations and photos of cats being, and I'm not a cat person, I'm a dog person. Um, so that's fine. I sort of tuned out a bit, but one of the one things I do teach and I teach heavily in my workshops and I call it the cat and it stands for three things, uh, composition, aperture, and the right time of day. Yep. Three super duper things like the shop behind you, composition, good, Aperture, probably okay. Time of day, perfect. Yeah, that They are the three easiest things to get right in your camera before you even start digging into that bag of goodies of focus stacking and all the other stuff. Get your composition right, like you said. Choose the right aperture to get the depth of field you want. And am I there at the right time of day or am I trying to take a shot that's just not going to work? And if you get those three things lined up, I can guarantee you 95% of the time your shot will be good. And no one's going to look at it and go, "Oh, it's a bit soft in the back there." They're yeah. not going to care.
0: Yeah, and, and no. I think being able to understand the relationship between composition, aperture, and time of day—that's where it's important. So it's the areas yeah. in between those three things, the relationship between those yeah. three things, yeah. where, that only comes with experience and only comes with being out in the field and shooting, and 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 putting yourself into these into the right times of day, if you like. Yeah, yeah, um, and that that's that's. To me, that's the hunt. That's the chase is, you know, getting those three things. When those three things line up, it's like, yeah. it's like the planets literally align. And it's like, right, yeah. this shot is on. I'll, yeah, you know, and, it, is, and it, it's it does. Out. Like, it, it it jumps off
1: the screen at you as soon as you get that all right. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll admit on the back of the screen after I take a shot, I'll, I'll zoom in to see if I've got the sharpness right or the hyperfocal right. And and if I can see it's all sharp and I like the composition and the, and the time of day is going off. I don't take many shots. I just sit there and enjoy it where you see all these other people setting up to do, you know, 200 focus stacks from in front to the back and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing all these things with all these big, massive filters and all these things. They're they're not actually paying any attention to really what's going on behind or in front of them. They're trying to make this camera create miracles that they can do by themselves if they just slow down, like I said, fill in the gaps of whatever they they need to do. Yeah, And stop worrying about what everyone else is telling them to do on YouTube or stupid podcasts that we might run or things like that. You know, I think that's where people can improve quicker is by probably listening maybe less of what the the jargon is going around and really focusing on those core things that make a good photo, which like I said, we just touched on that. But yeah, anyway, it's it's one of those topics that comes up every time. And there's definitely a for and against, like I was on my own on the table. Like I had all these other
0: people go, <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, that's fine. That's that's fine. And, you know, there's nothing, and... there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, no, I, I think it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think once I learned, once I learned to sort of let go of that stuff, of that noise, you know, of, 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 yes. you know, trying to polish a turd, <laughs> you know, start with a polished diamond already. Yeah. So yeah. Let's start there. Well, here you know, you rather
1: here's, than... here's an analogy for you that yeah. like you said, don't you can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter, as they say, right? That's so right. So so to me the turd is the, the base shot that people try and take. And the glitter is the focus stacking and the denoising and <laughs> yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you if you like you said, if you use it in its right application at the right time, then absolutely it's great. But yeah. if you're relying on all that all the time, then
0: and I think in the past I've been guilty of being a self proclaimed lazy photographer. Hmm. Like, and I say this a lot to people I'll go to a location, I'll give up real quick if I don't, if I, like it becomes like second nature where you, it ain't gonna work here today, right? Yeah, yeah. And that always comes back to your third part of the cat, which is time of day. Yeah. Well, I'm here at the wrong time, right? Yeah. I know there's a shot here, but yeah. it ain't today. Yeah. yeah. I generally give up pretty quick. And I used to say I'm a lazy photographer. No, no, no. I give up because I know it ain't going to happen. So I'm going to go and find somewhere or something that yes. is going to happen. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think that's I'll... really important. For, you know, for people not to just put the camera away and go home. No, no, mm. no. Find the composition that works where you are for the yep. time of day that you are there.
1: Yeah. This we is we had a
0: topic by the way.
1: <laughs> uh, that's that's a great. I think it's great. Like it's. I think this is some really heavy tips for people listening, because I think there is a hell of a lot of photographers out there that it might be in the beginner stage or intermediate stage where they're like, I, I just can't get my head around how to do all this. Like, why do these professionals or the guys doing well get it right all the time? Why do I? Why am I not doing this? Why am I doing that? I think there's there's a lot of noise and pun in, to, pun intended. There's a lot of noise in the landscape industry business about how to do stuff. Do I do composites? Do I focus stack? Do I this kind of stuff? I think people need to go back to basics. And like I said, they need to understand the aperture. They understand composition. And the easiest way to fix your fo- like get good photos, like I said, is time of day. Like just get there early in the morning or late afternoon. So I think it's important that we talk about it. And again, if you're one of those landscape photographers out there who like to focus stack, who like to use all the tools that are available, then knock yourself out. Don't, I won't have any qualms with you with that, but don't come back to me saying that that's the only way you can take landscape photography, which is what I get a lot that, oh you you won't get your full sharpness or you won't get the perfect file if you don't do this, this and this, because I think that is incorrect. I think, I've got plenty of files in my hundreds of thousands of Git files I've got where I can probably put a handful easily and say these are perfect files to print, to sell, to publish, whatever they might be. So, yeah. So, um, yeah.
0: so, so we, we've talked about creating sharpness where it may not necessarily be needed. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about creating sharpness where and when it is needed. Yeah. And 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 the main personally, I think it comes down to quality of lens is really yep. important. Yep. Um, don't expect to take that Cam, can you cover your, your your camera? Don't expect to take that photo behind like that Cam's got there with a kit lens with a with with a cheap kit. Um it ain't I, I don't think it's gonna cut the mustard. You may be able to get something close to it but I'm going to hazard a guess that that's probably shot with uh, one of uh, the Olympus pro lenses. I would, I would guess on the Zuko lenses, is it, or with Hasselblad? No. What, what did you take that with?
1: Don't that say yeah.
0: iPhone or I'm hanging up.
1: That was <laughs> an iPhone. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was the
0: Leica. The Leica. Yeah. One of well, the, Leica. Yep. Okay. So need I say more? So, you know, mm. only, only amongst the sharpest lenses on the planet uh, yep. along with the Olympus lenses and Canon L series lenses for that matter. Yep. You yep. know, they're, they're they're marketed as sharp lenses because they bloody well are, um, yeah. you know, they you just, nail the hyperfocal, they they yeah. get it right. So, you know, starting there when you really want sharpness yeah. Yeah, lenses are essential.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's funny again, like um, just watching people in workshops and, and day trips and stuff I do. And, you know, they always bring it back. Like one of the first things, okay, what do you want to, what do you want to improve on your photography for today, today or this week on the trip? Oh, I just I just can't seem to get sharpness in my photos. I reckon that will be 7 or 8 times out of 10 the answer I get. Oh, composition is one really heavy one and sharpness in my photos. Yeah. And then most most of the time I look at the photographers they're shooting in manual mode with no understanding of the aperture. Yep. They're shooting in autofocus either trying to focus stack or trying to understand it or they're putting their focal point, you know, out the wrong way, not not really understanding the hyperfocal distance as well. So You know, lenses of quality absolutely helps, but it's about knowing the basics. And I think what happens these days is too many people want to skip through the first few chapters and get to to the point where I'm, okay, I'm a professional photographer now. I'm shooting at a professional quality. And the first three chapters are how you do it. And the the remaining 40 chapters is, you know, how you just polish on those skills. So,
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, the message I guess out of this is don't stress over your files if they're not perfect because no file is perfect. You could give me any file in the world and I'll, I'll pick a fault with it and I'm sure you would be able to as well. But mm-hmm. instead of worrying about if your files are going to be absolutely perfect for printing, uh, for perfect for whatever, put the effort, stress about whether or not your composition's right, stress about whether or not you've used the right aperture and stress about whether or not, am I here at the right time of day or am I just, yeah. should yeah. I be at the pub? So yeah, I, like, I, when I, we, we, we did that yeah. on this trip. We had one moment where the, we were in the forests and Seng and I said to each other, like, this is a, a crystal blue day, middle of the sunshine. I said, we shouldn't be in a forest. And we said to the group, we said, you know what, this is not working light-wise. We're going to have a couple of hours off, and then we're going to come back into the park when the light settled down a bit. And it was chalk and cheese, the quality of photos that would have been taken. So, yes.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, you yeah, working in a camera shop like I own, yeah. um, I, I regularly get people coming in. They'll have SLR in hand. And and they're walking up to the counter, and I know that they're about to ask me why their images aren't sharp. You yep. can just see it. They're like, yep. and there'll be an image on the screen, and they'll show it to me, and they'll say, "Why isn't this image sharp?" The number one thing I do is check the EXIF data and see exactly what well how the photo was shot. Yeah, and ninety nine times out of a hundred, they have a shutter speed that is lower than one fortieth of a second. And then, of course, the first question is, did you shoot this on a tripod? And it's like, no. No. Yeah. I hate tripods. I hate getting my tripod. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and um, it's like, okay, and and, and that's not having a go at people. I mean, people just think too many people think they can spend $2,000 on an SLR and all of a sudden they're Ken Duncan. All of a sudden they're Cameron Blake. Boy, I don't think so. (laughs) They're not. You no, know, they're not. They're, they're, they're they're not. not. Trust me, that they don't want to be. <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's that it's that tiny little bit of technique that they pick up on, that they need yeah. to pick up on that bridges that gap really quickly. Yeah. You know, shutter speed is is crucial to yeah. to sharpness, purely because if you're shooting handheld and you're under one sixtieth of a second, this movement where you push mm. the trigger is enough to rock the camera or to make your image unsharp. This
1: one. When you're using back
0: button focus,
1: two different bloody. <laughs> I, I had a go. I had a go at it. We had this whole discussion on this workshop as well about back button focusing. And I had a go at it. And we're taking photos of I can't remember where we were. We're taking photos of something. And I'm like, explain to me, like sell it to me. Oh, well, you just do this. You press the back. And this lady was doing it. And she's like trying to get her thumb in between her asses <laughs> and an eye. And I'm like, you're trying to sell this to me, aren't you? Oh, yeah. It is a bit tricky to get my thumb in there. Mm. I said, when did this become an issue? I said, yeah. You're th- they actually put a thumb pad on the back of the camera for your thumb to rest there for stability because she was trying to do handheld shots in the grain mm. forest is where we were, and she yeah. was doing that. And because her thumb was there and she's pressing the button, she had no stability in her hand. Yeah. And we, I changed it over, and within two seconds, her photos were fine. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I'll, I'll explain to people, you know, if I've got time and I've am you know, i got a shot full of customers, I'll actually show people how to mount their camera to a tripod, yeah. Why you should have an alarm bell go off when your shutter speed is higher than one lower than one sixty of a second. And yeah. also introduce them to this wonderful thing called the two-second self-timer. Oh my god. And and every single time they're like, wow, <laughs> I had no idea that A, I had to do that, and B that yeah. I could do that. So yeah. You know, um, for those playing along at home that maybe amateurs and don't know what I'm talking about, two second self-timer, basically you're setting the camera to take the photo two seconds after you push the shutter button. So it's a it's a little timer. Yep. That two seconds is enough time for the camera to settle down, even if it's on a tripod and you push this the the, the your, your shutter button, that's and that movement will send a slight vibration through your camera and yep. your image won't be sharp, sharp when you pixel peek, when you bring it up bigger mm. to have a closer look at it. Yeah. two seconds will let your camera settle down uh the camera will take the photo even things like mirror lockup where you know that can be important if you're looking for razor razor sharp images
1: mm. I've
0: got a question without notice for you
1: this is actually a DeerCam question question that got sent in a few weeks ago okay it's not but it's not this week's one um okay. on a tripod image stabilizer on or off oh, uh, off off definitely so off so I, image stabilizer I've never turned my off ever
0: yeah, so image stabilizers work um, best handheld. If you've got your image stabilizer turned on while you're on a tripod, again, mm. the motor that is that is activated for image stabilization is vibrating your lens ever so slightly. So particularly mm. if you're using like a hundred mil or hundred and fifty mil zoom, for example, you're yep. magnifying camera shake by using your image stabilizer. So definitely off when tripod mounted.
1: See, we're going to disagree. <laughs> because I've done some research on this and um, this is why it's a question without notice, but I've done some research on this and there's there's been changes in the image stabiliser technology in the last few years mm-hmm. where the camera actually recognises that it's on a tripod mm-hmm. and sometimes will disengage the image stabilisation itself. Well, that's a wonderful piece of technology. There you go. Anyway, that was a question. It's one yeah. that I get all the time. I, I yeah. leave mine on and other people say it's going to, and this goes back to this, oh, but your
0: file's not going to be sharp. So that's one yeah. of those things. Yeah. There's many. Okay. So to get to the crux of the issue, there are many, many, many things that help you deliver a sharp image yeah. when you want sharpness in a certain part of your image. And I yeah. think we've covered most of them. The last one that we haven't really talked about is ISO because yeah. A noisy image can also appear to be out of focus when really yes. it's just, just noisy because you've shot at 1600 ISO.
1: Yeah, then you just chuck it through Topaz denoise. That's right. Yeah. Fix yeah. it all up. That's proper. There is hey, a yeah.
0: massive, you can really see the difference between uh, in sharpness of a 100 ISO versus a 1600 ISO image. It's, yeah. it's uh, very, uh,
1: very apparent. That was one of the funny things that came across on this workshop as well. We had a couple of people ask about that. They didn't actually realize that on a tripod you would use the lowest ISO you can to get that cleaner image, but they yeah. didn't actually realize that the ISO was also interfering with the sharpness of their images, so to speak. Right. They
0: yeah. just
1: thought they just thought it was like a set like a sensor thing.
0: And there we are. To... That's exactly what we talked about before. The relationship yeah. between all mm. those th- things is yeah. crucial to understand that one affects the other affects the other and you've yeah. got to constantly work within within those the spaces in between the important bits the the relationship yep. area between aperture yeah. shutter speed iso all that sort of stuff mm. very good good talk tonight i enjoyed that yeah like,
1: like i said it was a big conversation it might might have been a couple of beers in as well as they always are but um <laughs> it's it's great to hear and i'd love to hear what people think as well you know Uh, you know are people listening are they that purist that they just have to use every tool they can to get the sharpest image they can or are they a bit like me where they're they're more and more concentrated on getting that composition and sharpness as best they can through the lens and you know minimal editing so i'd like to hear people's point of view if they had one either way
0: i i I don't reckon any photos ever want a landscape composition based on sharpness no it's, it's all about composition all of it it is yeah um we have uh a little we, do. we we're hearkening back to about episode 12 of the down south photo show here well, when we used to have a segment called photography horror stories yeah um now this this came about because uh, i believe you had a gentleman that yes. um has gone back and started listening to early episodes of the
1: yeah show. so our dear cam question is actually the same person at uh, provided the horror story, um, Ian, uh, who's from Melbourne, sent me an email saying he really loves the show and great listen. And he, taught, he told a work colleague or a colleague of his about the show, and they went and binge listened to like seventy episodes over the weekend. Which <laughs> I feel I feel sorry for that person having to listen yeah, to crap right. for crap for how many is that? how many hours is that? That's a lot of hours, isn't it? That's, that's seventy lot. hours. Yeah, well, um,
0: yeah, we averaged close to an hour per yeah.
1: episode. Yeah. So anyway, but Ian also <clears throat> attached this little horror story down the end. I did actually email him back today and asked if it was actually him who was the, the character of this horror story, but it's not. It was a, I think I it said, it, said, said it was a friend of his father's who used to work. So <laughs> yeah. um, do you want to take it, take it away, Mr. I'll horror I shall story? I, yes, I will. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh,
0: this is from Ian in Melbourne. A horror story that you may enjoy is about a new photographer who joined a prominent newspaper in Melbourne. Now, I'm going to assume this is going back a while. This is I, back think, in, I think
1: it's going back a while. Back so in the day. It's, it's not the Herald Sun. I'd say it's no. probably the age, maybe.
0: It could be. Maybe it's the truth.
1: <laughs> the truth. <laughs>
0: Jesus. <laughs> Remember that one?
1: No. Not, no I'm, anyway. not, I'm not here.
0: On his first day, he, he was issued with uh, with his photography gear, camera, lens, and a bag. He was told to try out his new gear and become familiar with it. So he ventured out to the nearby bridge to take in photos of the Yarra River and surrounds but a clumsy knock of the bag perched on the bridge wall saw all the gear fall into the river. <laughs> it's a classic. His next task was to tell his boss that he'd lost all his gear within the first hour since his issue to him. He did keep his job and was given another set of gear and in time did get his photos published.
1: Yeah. That's a classic.
0: Yeah, that's, can you, uh, that is a can, you, can, right you can
1: you? imagine that? Yeah. Um, just knocking the gear off first day of work, and back then, you know, if it was a bit while ago. It was probably all film, and there's probably a bag full of film and lenses and everything's gone yeah. into the era. Nothing, mm. and nothing comes out of the era the same way it went in. I wonder if it's still there? Maybe <laughs> could be. I've, I've got, I've got a film camera that's
0: down the bottom of the Franklin River somewhere. I lost it years ago, twenty something right. years ago. Yeah, I've got well, a, the, um, yeah. I've got a, a a Lumix digital waterproof camera that is uh, sitting in under the surf off Kangaroo Island.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you drained all the, all the lakes and rivers around all the famous photography spots, um, how much gear would be there?
0: We have about an average of two GoPros a year wash up on the beach in Ocean Grove. Oh, fantastic. And invariably they get in contact with me and then yep. we share the images from the memory card normally. And right. And we, you know, we, we've, we <laughs> normally find sort of half the owners of them. So Yeah, right. Uh, no, I was well, uh, I, I was down at Kangaroo Island and uh, I had my Lumix FT1, I think it was, waterproof full camera, early digital waterproof camera, and I uh, a, borrowed a mate of mine's uh, surfboard and uh, thought I'd try surfing. I've, I've tried to surf twice. The first time I nearly knocked myself out, the second time this happened, right. put the camera in my back pocket on my board shorts, put the little Velcro thing down, like, yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah, fine, yeah. and hoiked myself up onto the – Surf were like you know popped up onto the board yeah and the camera just flew past me <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and just went plonk it's probably yeah. still there if it's waterproof uh look i have no doubt i had some nice photos in that damn thing too of the kids oh. but anyway that's that's another story
1: yeah um might, if yeah. you
0: have a horror story for us about normally it ends in disaster of losing gear or damaging well gear. that was
1: a, that was a good news a good story in the end, a good a good news story in because he kept his job and got published a few times and
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, do we have time for Dear Cam? Uh, yeah, I reckon we can answer that one pretty quick, I reckon. Okay. Uh, Dear Cam and Brendan, always gets read out if you get it. A... Yep. How do you <laughs> How do you record locations for future photographs and desired times and day and seasons to return to? Also from Ian, who supplied the horror story before. Yeah. Uh, excellent, Ian. I like this question,
1: uh, but it's a quick one. I. The quickest thing I use is Google Maps. So if I drive around, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But I don't have time to stop. I just go on my Google map. I pin it and I have it. I actually star it. I have a star section of my Google maps, um, which keeps all the nice places I want to go to um, desired times and seasons to return to. I guess, I think that just goes in the memory bank that, Oh, okay. I was driving along there. That that tree could be really cool for autumn or, you know, gee, that mountain might look good with snow on it in the middle of winter or whatever. So, um, but I, I predominantly use Google maps and star it. And sometimes I drive along and I'm like, Oh, there's a star on my map. I don't remember that. And I forget why it's there. And then I go actually to have a look at the star and I'm like, Oh, there's that beautiful old tree with a fence or whatever it might be. So my, mine's Google maps and maybe a little bit of photo pills to try and work out sun angles and things like that. The app photo pills. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brendan? Cause it's addressed to you as well. Uh,
0: mine is all he- up here. God, I, I, really? uh, yeah, I very rarely um do log it. Uh mm. nine times out 10, it's because the chances of me going back to that place at the right time are rare anyway. It yeah. has to be um it has to be something really out of the ordinary, you know, for me to right. go, I'm coming back to that spot. Um and coincidentally, um, a couple of the spots are uh, on our Mallee Murray workshop that we've got coming up. And that have is we got a, have, we, have we got a workshop coming up? There wasn't a cheeky, subtle way to work that in. Mm. However, we haven't spoken about my background yet. So this yeah, is my that. background. That, hang on, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put to speaker mode so people can see it full screen. That uh, is Lake Boga, up, uh, just shy of Swan Hill, up in the Mallee. Um, happens to be where my wife's from and happens to be where we just spent Easter as well. So um, a great spot there. And people who know the Mallee know or have grown up in the Mallee like I did will know there is nothing like a Mallee sunset. Um, I've heard that. Yeah. It's, I don't know what it is, whether it's the, um, it's like, it's a lot of open plains and farmland and can we get it a bit dusty. So it might yeah. be something to do with that, but um Mallee does generally produce some pretty clean and and cool sunsets like that very one right there. Mm.
1: So we've still got spots on our Mallee, 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 Maddy, Murray, 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 Mallee workshop. Uh, October, uh, sometime in October. I can't, haven't got the details there. October fourteen, I believe. I think it is October fourteen. I'm just going into it now, but we have got a few spots. Hello, uh, I had a
0: few, it's actually October twelve. Let's get well, this right.
1: October twelve to sixteen. Um Thank you. We have a few places left. Um, I reckon we might pick up a couple of people from my workshop that just happened yep. uh, who were very keen to come along. So I reckon we'll have probably three spots left or so coming up soon. So don't muck around. Get on, have a look. Um, everything's covered. Accommodation, transfers, food, education. And like we've just been talking about today, you know, you're know, you going to get the, the bees' knees of all the information that we have and how to get those shots right every time. Yep. Uh, we're not going to teach you how to focus stack unless you're really big. Uh, we'll, we'll try and encourage you not even to. Even then, we won't. And yeah. we certainly won't teach you back button focusing. But if you want to come out and have a, a few days away and take some excellent shots with us larrikins, then
0: uh, we might even have a couple of beers, I don't know. Yep. And um, I think we need to mention, once again, the absolute highlight, the, 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 the jewel in the crown of this trip will be Lake Tyrrell. Yes. Um, and I'm sure uh, those of you listening have heard of Lake Tyrrell or watching have heard of Lake Tyrrell. Up in the mallee there, an absolutely gorgeous place to take some photos. So, um, mm. looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there again and checking it all out. Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to getting up there. It, uh, I think I've been past
1: Lake Tyerle. I haven't spent any real time up there before, but uh, it'll be good. I'll definitely be up there scouting before we go. Yeah. And
0: I think I think the thing that I'm most excited about is that it's it's an area that is, in my opinion, underrated for photography, yep. and it's very different. Very, yeah. very different. Um, yeah. it, it's not coastal. It's not mountainous. It's different. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, the time of year that we're going will also be a great time for, uh, I reckon we're going to get the odd wildflower as well, which is going to be pretty cool too.
1: Cool. One thing I will add to that as well. So yeah. people people want to buy that. There'll be a link in the description all that kind of stuff. It's bought through my website. So you can actually use Afterpay on my website. How good is that? Um, so you can do that up to $2,000. But if you also... Very cool. It is very cool. But if you also are thinking you're coming along, but you're like, oh, I can't probably put that money aside just yet. Give us an email because I, I, I'm happy for a lot of my guests to pay things off over a period of time. If it means you pay 500 bucks a month or something, whatever it is, to get it up and pay the balance beforehand, uh, you can do that as well. So it's not out of reach. Uh, we spoke about last week. Some people thought it was a little bit out of reach, um, but it's not. It's not out of reach if you plan and you wish to join us. So correct. Uh, that'd be awesome. So... Look at us. We're almost We're almost at fifty five minutes, Brendan. That's incredible for us. Well,
0: put. what's coming up for you this week, Cameron? Uh, I have a big, big
1: walk coming up. Yes, you do. Yes. What do you have?
0: I have the same. So um, this is it, guys. We're uh, we're, we're going to be. <laughs> last see <laughs> possibly uh, could be the last podcast ever uh, for many reasons yeah. yeah it could be yeah uh, no uh, so, we're, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna
1: have a ball and like I said we'll try well I think we can try and snip it Ten minutes each day after the walk, or, or at lunchtime on a walk, yeah. and we'll just quickly recap the day. We, and... we, we're going to make that happen. I, I think I
0: yeah. think that's a very very good idea. Even and, if it's on um, the
1: iPhone, we can just record on the iPhone. or something. Exactly, like exactly. Yeah.
0: I know a guy that can edit stuff together. So we'll, we'll really we'll can you get it. him? Can you get him to edit the the YouTube stuff? Sure. sure. We'll make, yeah do a better job than I am. Um, nah, it'll be mind. great, mate. I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to it. And uh, as I say, I will see you uh, sometime Friday. Sometime before people have heard this, it's kind of weird to say that, but anyway, that's how. So
1: by the time people hear this, you and I will be at Cradle Mountain.
0: Yes. Probably having a beer. Pointing and laughing at all the crap that I've bought in my backpack.
1: Pointing and laughing at everyone's backpack. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> what the hell did you bring that for? Yeah, the kitchen yeah. sink. Come on, that was a <laughs> That's joke. right, yeah. No, that no, should be good. And good. I, I'm really excited to bring, now um, oh, there's all the details of the workshop below in our notes, which I didn't see. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to bringing the Overland Track to these guys. So that'll be definitely one that you want to probably visually watch. Uh, there'll still be a bit of fun laughing on the, online as well. But yes, yeah,
0: it's been good fun. All right. This has been episode 76. That's it. That's the podcast. We will see you for episode 77. I was going to say live from the Overland track. Doesn't quite work like that, but we will be from yeah. the Overland track yep. next week. Bye for now. Get your walking shoes on. Oh, way. Hey. <laughs> well, I nearly just ended the whole message instead of just doing this.